Welcome to Latitude, the show for freelancers, founders, and creators about all of the non-business parts of running a successful business. Last week, I spoke with David Sherry. David is the founder of Death to Stock, a stock photography site that has reinvented stock photography. And at the same time, it's enabled the photographers who are creating the photography and the artists and designers using it. More recently, David has been coaching people on how to lead themselves. This was really the main theme of our whole conversation, but here I've broken out some of the biggest parts of that. The parts that stood out to me the most were how to show up authentically for your audience, how to connect with your work through positive attachment, and how to create an environment that aligns with your goals and priorities. So first, we have how you communicate with your audience. So I think really even from day one of Death of Stock, the way that we communicated as a brand, I think is very different than the way that most brands communicate. We were always, I guess, sort of including just who we are uh, as people in our content, in our media. And I feel like we talked in a very direct way with our audience. So rather than being this like, we're sort of in this, you know, castle or like, uh, I guess, ivory tower, and then the audience is like separate from us, I feel like we did a lot to really integrate into our community. And through that, we started having a lot of discussions with creators because those are the people who are subscribed to our email list just about the creative process. You know, like, how do you stay motivated? Um, you know, what's inspiring to you right now? Where are you stuck? And those conversations started to be really meaningful. The main part of this is really what does it mean to create an authentic tone and brand, both as a company and as a person. David's personality and interests really come through with both Death to Stock and his personal newsletter, Creative Caffeine. But it appears slightly differently in both of these contexts. Death to Stock gained traction because it communicated more honestly and transparently than other stock photography services. It felt more real and relatable than its competitors. At the very baseline, Death to Stock is a stock photography site. But the authenticity that came from the style of photography, the website copy, and every other part of the business added up to more than that. It really feels like Death to Stock is invested in the people that are using it. And this isn't just because they decided to position the company that way. It's because they actually built a business around people and problems they cared about. Death to Stock's photography is more opinionated and less generic because they give the photographers they work with more space to create in the way that matches their approach and style. So I think the obvious takeaway here is just to think about how your copy, product, and everything else can be more transparent. But to go even a level deeper than that, it's really about understanding your audience. The transparency and authenticity then become almost automatic because you understand and empathize with their challenges. David knew exactly the people he was building for as he was building Death to Stock. He was building for people he knew and identified with. You don't necessarily have to be part of the audience you're building for, but being able to communicate with them honestly and clearly becomes easier when you're more positively invested. And there's another part that I want to call out from what David says about talking directly to his audience. Death to Stock and the personal newsletter seem pretty different on the surface. Death to Stock is highly polished, well-considered, and has multiple people creating and managing it, while his newsletter is a bit more freeform. It does focus on many of the same topics and themes, though. His personality and interests come through in both of them, but in a more or less formal way. There is time for both of these, but either approach can be useful in different cases. So when is the right time in your work to be more polished or more open-ended and exploratory? So next, I want to look at how and if we should be deeply attached to the work we do. For David, a lot of his understanding of this topic came from his experience with burnout. But like, I really was in sort of build mode and heads down mode for a good three, four years. It's a bootstrap company, you know, it's my you know sole source of, of income. So really, 
uh, it happened, I think, as things were really hitting probably their best growth point. Um, and for whatever reason, there was a certain point at that time where I think my body was just like, you need a break. Uh, you need to do like, you need to to relate to work differently. You need to approach things differently. And um, my burnout uh, was sort of discovered by getting shingles, which is uh, it's essentially chickenpox. It comes back if your body's too stressed out. Usually happens to people who are in their 80s. It happened to me when I was 26. Burnout isn't necessarily connected to the amount of success you're having. For David, it happened when he was arguably the most successful he'd been. It really comes down to the way that we connect with our work. Relating to work differently is the phrase that David used, and it really stood out to me. It's more than just working less, taking vacations, having a better routine, or all of the other things that show up in pretty much every Medium article about burnout. It's really about building a healthy relationship to work in the same way that you would build a healthy relationship with another person. It's about pulling the right meanings from the right parts of the work relationship, and it's about finding what parts of the relationship you're strong or weaker at, and really just being aware enough to constantly check in with yourself and notice when any of these things change. It's really about how you're attached to the work you do. I think that you want to be positively attached. You want to be attached because you choose to and because you love it, and not because you're beholden to it or obligated to do it. Mm -hmm. And I think when you're feeling this like obligation, it's very constricting versus no, I, I want to be doing this. Like I'm, I'm having fun uh, creating this project. I'm having fun interviewing these people for feedback. Oh, you said that my product sucks. Like that's amazing. I, how, what can I do better? Because I'm, I'm really trying to make this a great product. Like that's the goal. You know, my ego isn't trying to be stroked here. I'm just trying to make something great because I really care about you know craftsmanship or whatever. So, it really is switching to sort of a different system, almost in your brain, of yeah, curiosity, sort of interest in being engaged instead of obligation to, to do something. It's not necessarily about being completely invested or completely neutral about what you're doing. It's about making sure that it's a positive attachment. Being attached because it's something that you choose. The idea is that you're choosing to be invested rather than just feeling obligated to do something. And obviously, this is a lot harder to do than to just say, but I think that it's really about figuring out what parts of a specific project you want to be attached to. Maybe a side project never has to be attached to the desire to provide for yourself or your family, but it can be more attached to your desire to learn new skills or to contribute to the community. Maybe it does make sense to attach that project to more financial goals, but then recognize that getting creative fulfillment from that might be less important. So how can you replace obligations in your life with interests? That could be either through reframing something that you're already doing or dedicating your time to other things. Later in the interview, we start talking a little bit more about productivity and finding meaning in your work. And really, the takeaway from this is the same. Just to try and have an understanding of what you're optimizing for. There are so many productivity hacks and systems, but without understanding the why behind them, they all become pretty much meaningless. Really, that why, the meanings and priorities and investments, they can only come from you. So it's a matter of understanding yourself, discovering what your priorities are, and then making sure that your day-to-day aligns with those priorities. Pretty much every book on being productive and fulfilled at work came out of people creating their own systems. So doesn't it make more sense for us to follow the strategy of creating our own systems rather than the tactic rather than the tactics of the system itself? Even if you have a boss, you're still the boss of your own life. It's your responsibility to lead yourself, and by doing that, you become a better leader in general because you're more clear about your priorities. 
Leading yourself means you're able to get rid of the negative stories you tell yourself, and then you're able to make decisions more clearly. And so how do we do that? It's really all about our environment. This is the hard thing because I think it has to be the environment, whether it's just by yourself or you start having accountability friends or, you know, a small group or a coach. Like, I think you have to put yourself into an environment where the default philosophy of that environment is that you're allowed to make mistakes. This isn't super high stakes. We're all kind of working through this uh, together and you're here because you want to experiment and grow. So I would get out of the world of forcing yourself new um, hacks and forcing yourself to consume more information about why you're not productive and get in an environment where other people around you are being the way that you want to be. So environment does include everything in your physical environment, but it's really more about the people and ideas you surround yourself with. The benefit of surrounding yourself with a wide group of people isn't necessarily more or better information. It's really about seeking new understanding and new perspectives. And so going back to how positive attachment makes it easier to be more fulfilled, regularly connecting with people outside of your own circle makes it easier to get the feedback needed to identify negative patterns. A coach, a mastermind, a therapist, or any other third party can see things you're going through in a different perspective. They can recognize patterns that have become so ingrained that you can't really recognize them yourself. And that was something that was most valuable from the short time that I worked with David. I had gotten stuck in the pattern of thinking that I always had to do weekly content and thinking that it had to be pretty much always around topics that I'd already been sharing about. But his outside perspective made it a lot easier to just give myself permission to work on other things. So counterintuitively, having an outside perspective helps you find your own voice. Other people can be more objective about your situation, and with coaches and therapists, the broad range of experiences they've seen means it's even easier for them to identify both the positive and negative patterns that you might have. Coaching really becomes about self-learning and self-understanding. You're not trying to gain more information from that person, but they're able to give you a new perspective on the same information because it's less attached and invested. So regardless of whether it's a friend group, a professional group, or working with someone one-on-one, creating an environment that is willing to question things will always be beneficial. Before we wrap things up, I want to take just a second to talk about Podia. Podia provides all of the tools you need for online courses, downloads, and memberships. But more importantly, they believe in and support people creating those things. Podia really enables people like us to do the work we love. I'm a longtime Podia user, and I've been an advocate of theirs from well before they sponsored the show. My Podia course has directly led to thousands of email subscribers and five figures in revenue. Whether you're an expert developer or creating your first ever digital product, Podia makes it fast and easy to create something that not only looks good, but converts well, too. Creating something out of nothing is hard, but Podia makes creation a little bit easier. And they're offering a lifetime discount of 15% to listeners of the Latitude podcast. To get your discount or just learn a bit more, go to podia.com latitude, or there's a link in the show notes. Next week, I'll be chatting with Moitza Jove. Moitza runs Super Spicy Media, a course and consulting business focused on Facebook ads. Moitza has made the transition from full-time work to consulting and then from consulting to products. We talk a lot about making these transitions and the identity changes that go along with them, but then we also talk about how to manage expectations and move forward when those transitions don't always go as planned. 
If you're interested in that conversation or other conversations with entrepreneurs, product people, freelancers, and creators, hit subscribe to get upcoming interviews and these actionable breakdowns of the interviews. This is also the part of the episode where I'm supposed to ask you to rate and review the show. But rather than that, I really want to make this as actionable as possible. I really want each episode to have something you can implement right away. So send a tweet, message, email, or carrier pigeon to a friend about the one thing you've learned and how you're going to apply it to your business this week. You can also send your takeaway and any feedback about the podcast directly to me on Twitter at Zabzen. That's Z-A-V-Z-E-N. Links and more are in the show notes at createlatitude.com slash podcast. And I just want to remind you that you already have the tools you need to create a little more latitude in your day, your business, and your life. 